Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey guys, welcome back to the Salty Brother podcast. Uh, we have an awesome conversation with Connor Bainbridge today. He's a, a, a British kiter, one of the one of the best kite foilers in the world, and uh, and we kind of. Uh, a few years ago, we we trained a bunch with him and and kind of learned a bunch from him. And and he he's a, a kite designer for F1 kites and and just kind of leading up to the World Championships in in Italy. So yeah, stoked to uh, learn about his lead up to Italy and uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Well, where are you? Uh, yes, I've been here at the moment, but uh, yeah, the wind is just fucking shit day in day out. <laughs> <laughs> what's the uh are you are you doing an event there yeah we've got um what we've we got we've got world series this week and then world championships the week after oh. so is the world series yeah. just like a tune-up thing or is it nice. official yes yeah, it's, it's really weird like they um they yeah it's really weird so usually the other way around so they do major event first and then they do uh it's slightly more chilled event second, but mm. this time they've done the chilled event first and then the major second. So there's like only 28, 29 of us or something doing the um, doing the World Series event. And then and then obviously like there's 150 people doing the, the, the proper one. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> That's so many. Yeah, I mean it's crazy as what 90 guys and 90 guys? Maybe it's less than 150, 140. Maybe. Yeah, there's 90 guys and it's capped out and it capped out within a week or something crazy. Wow. So yeah. Um what like uh format are they doing? Because I know they keep changing them. Oh yeah, well you have to keep us on our toes, don't you? <laughs> um, at the at the moment they're doing like um it's fleet racing, but it's three days of qualifying, then one day of what we would call finals and then a mega finals day which is this two semi-finals and then a finals um is that like that new like final four kind of format or is that yeah yeah so you go like uh it's it's crazy intense probably the most intense racing i've done so you go at the top the top two are guaranteed a place in the final but then you're not guaranteed a medal and then the between three and 14 get split into two semis and you do another two races in those semis and then the, whoever wins both semis goes into take on the top four but then the your ranking between uh, fifth and 14th is done on whatever those points are added up and so like the last two events that we've done it in we've had I think like four or five people on the same points and so and it's just like a completely lottery of then how they like figure out where people are um so you can go you can do the whole event with and be like third for example and with a hundred point lead and end up in 14th and then is the final like that is it like the first of three wins or something or is it just points yeah yeah i heard they did yeah yeah that must just be wild because like it doesn't matter if you get like second or third so everyone's probably just sending it yeah really hard yeah (laughs) everyone is i mean the um and they kind of it's quite interesting because like the guys who who are like a little bit more conservative and a bit more consistent are just getting screwed. So like the European Axel won basically every race. And then the guy who went in in fifth overall into the semis won three back-to-back races, having not won a single race, the regatta and beat Axel because he just went, it was like nothing to lose. I'll hit the right-hand corner and off we go. But it's short course as well. So it's even more like hectic. 
Right. Did that? Do you, do you like that? Did that favor your style or no? <laughs> it did. <laughs> it did favor my style. It doesn't quite favor my style as much anymore. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. It depends. It, it it's pretty hard. I mean, the, the top guys at the moment is the fleet is just absolutely crazy. So, like, yeah. There's no easy fleets anymore. Um, so yeah, you just it, it works quite well. I mean, I quite like hitting the corner and hoping, but it always come back quite as quite as well. Yeah. Unfortunately. Is this like the, your favorite format so far? Is it they've done what, like they did short course, they did long course, they did relay? Yeah, I think, yeah, one? probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, they've done so many. Uh, yeah, I mean, I quite like the short course. I was a big fan of the short course when we did like shorter, smaller fleets and it was mm-hmm. quite a little, like, it was super intense. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the only bit I don't like about it at the moment is the fact that we have less days in Gold Fleet. So we only have one day, which is four races in Goldfleet. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can discard two of those races. So it means the there's like at the Europeans, we only did nine races total. Um, and you could discard two of the races in Goldfleet. And so it didn't really doesn't fully give you like a rounded picture of what people can do in fleet racing, um, but then gives a really strong p- picture of what people can do in short course um, racing. And I think like for, for us anyway for the, like the way that our the british funding is it makes it quite difficult the final series because you can go into the final series guaranteed the top level of funding and leave off the program and so that kind of like on on two races so that's kind of like pretty intense for us is going oh shit if i don't do this then like there's no money or all money but those that like cases, a, it makes it pretty intense is that like a stressful. percentage thing like you have to get like a certain percentage of the fleet to get the funding or or how does that yeah work? ours is uh, uh top three top eight and then top yeah 16. i kind of like the brackets but after top eight is like like top eight is one bracket and then after that is another bracket um so yeah it makes it pretty um pretty interesting to say the least um, is that every every event that you do like or is it like no, a, just the worlds just the worlds you okay choose, um, so you gotta <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> yeah you choose one outcome event a year and you perform at that or you don't and yeah. that's that's it so you're Black sleeping well right now yeah yeah i've been on the water a lot recently yeah. <laughs> um yeah it's, it's pretty it, it, i mean it makes it interesting and i think for spectators it makes it pretty good um like watching some of the iq uh windsurfers have kind of gone for a similar format and watching their racing live is is pretty awesome um but yeah, I mean, every, every sailor everywhere will go, oh yeah, it's not real sailing, it's not fair, it's, you know, it doesn't give you a full picture of what you can do. But unfortunately, the, the world is moving to, they, they want things fast. And yeah, if you if you can find out who wins in, in three yeah. minutes rather than yeah, a week, it's easier. Yeah, I feel like for spectating, like the, the people that watch like normal sailing, like you have, you have no idea like who's going to win or anything like that. Like yeah. the, all the points are always so complicated. So it's probably nice just to be like, oh, if this person wins, they win everything. Or <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's a big thing world sailing wanted to move away from is the last two Olympics. I think almost half the medals were already kind of tied away, signed off, done before the last day. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in, in this game, it's just gone. You know, the win stuff and gold was guaranteed. In the men's, I think the Finn gold is pretty much guaranteed. And so they want to move away from that. Um, but it does mean like as a sailor, you go in with, I don't know, you could go in with 15 firsts and come out third yeah. because of one race or three races. Yeah. And, and so that makes it quite quite intense, I think. Yeah, um, I mean, and- it was pretty cool watching the, 
um, the 49er medal race because they had, I think it was a three-way tie or something like that, or three yeah. people could win it. So, yeah. I mean, if they can guarantee that every single time, then yeah, I, mean, it's I, I, fun. I think that's the thing, isn't it? Is that's what yeah. they want? Is they want to guarantee that kind of that kind of entertainment, that kind of yeah. level of com- competition? Which you know, it, it was great to spectate, not being in the finals at the Europeans, but you're still going. Ah, shit! I dropped from fifth to, or fourth to whatever ninth in in two races that you had no yeah. control over the other fleet. But I think it's just something that we've all got to get used to, yeah. um, which is interesting. <laughs> Yeah, and you said your the IQ foils are doing the same thing. Um, is the same style of racing, or yeah, same style, but theirs is even more hardcore. Like I thought ours was pretty brutal, but they do. Um, theirs is reaching start for their finals, uh, one up win, two down wins, and winner takes all. So it's it's one race between the top four, and wherever you finish in that race is is your rank of the week um between the top four so there's this, i mean that like watching it was incredible because the guy the guy and the girl the girl i think had won 13 out of 15 races and the guy had won 10 out of 15 and luckily both of them won the final race but you're just there like wow if you don't win this you're gonna be really really pissed off <laughs> um yeah. but i think i think unfortunately like all, all of us sailors are going well we've become so used to having this beautiful nice long week and then the medal race seemed like you know, super high intensity with double points and now everyone's going actually yeah they want things to be more exciting faster yeah for the the foiling iq stuff are you like a little sad that you're not doing that from because you you started out windsurfing for a long time right yeah yeah it's funny actually i've been asked that quite a lot recently <laughs> you know actually would, would would i go back or you know have i thought about going back and yeah you know i definitely thought about it when it um when it first first came in I was like yeah that that could be quite interesting and I gave it a quick go um out in Portugal I think and Mm. you know what yeah it it is cool it is really cool but the gear is so far behind what we are in kiting in terms of the foils and the setups and how technical it is um and I think that kind of put me off a little bit in terms of you know kite falling is definitely on the cutting edge of what what is possible in in single-handed sailing right now Right. Uh, especially in foiling and, and to kind of take a step back is quite difficult it's paused for the olympics right for the iq stuff that's yeah, already, already decided how long yeah i mean um, but that was what gear sorry go ahead i was gonna say what gear are you on for kiting now i uh, still f1 kites um and then i'm currently currently running the chewbanger foil um and again that makes everything a little bit more interesting and we haven't I mean, the cool statistic is we haven't had a podium with the same kites yet. So every single podium we've had since the the new registration has been either two or three different brand of kites. What about foils? Foils the same. I mean, Chewbang at the moment is a little bit more dominant in the top 10. Um, But even so, you always have a Levitas in there or something. So, which I think makes it really interesting. Um, A lot more interesting than... Than the, the kind of the IQ stuff. Um, how will the, how will the Olympics work for for gear? Are they going to standardize it even more? Are they going to pretty much stay pretty open? No. So we have um, we have a cutoff on next month actually, where all the manufacturers get kind of retested to make sure that they're still able to to deliver the right amount. The quality control is still good. They're actually mm-hmm. making the same thing that they started making eighteen months ago. Um, and then once you're signed in on that, you're signed in until the games. 
Um, so as long as none of the manufacturers kind of fail that process, then what you see now is what we'll be using at the games, which is which is really cool. Um, yeah, that seems good. Yeah, it went yeah. from the like full arms race to now it's kind of more picking and choosing what you like and yeah, everyone kind of yeah, knows think, what's out there. Yeah, I think what's cool is our the level the the level that our manufacturers are producing to is way higher than than what I would say like a standard production run is because the tolerances are so tight. So mm-hmm. even though we've got three different foil brands, the tolerances are so high that like we're still way way more kind of one design if you like than a one design class because those tolerances are so tight and our rules are getting tighter and stuff like that but I mean we we all know as much as we like to say oh it's one design or oh yeah all the gears the same it it never works like that it's always going to end up being some form of an arms race um, as you start to run into the games and I think what's scary for us is obviously we're, we're four kites and everything else so the arms race actually gets pretty expensive pretty quickly Right. And um, so are you guys trying to choose like what kite you like best in this wind condition? So you're going to have yeah. potentially like four different brands of kites yeah, for your I quiver. Mean, yeah. I mean, we're trying to avoid that. I think most, I mean, <laughs> at the moment, most of, most, most of the top riders are sponsored by, yeah. uh, I'm pretty like locked in the brands, which makes everything actually quite a lot more simple for us. Um, right. Has the sponsorship uh, changed at all? no pretty much everyone's i mean i think because the top riders were so involved in the development um that everyone is kind of stuck with their brands and will do until the games i think because everyone is so invested in the kites that they help develop um and yeah in terms of sponsorship actually i think every everyone even with it going olympic everyone is still sponsored or like you know the top guys are still sponsored and we'll still see that the only difference is as we get up closer to the games you won't be able to promote your sponsors and stuff like that but um yeah yeah i think at the moment the big thing is you know a, a kite is massive and obviously you guys know from sailing that you, you can go through four five ten sails they're all supposed to be the same and they are kind of you know one one dimension and you take a kite you can go through so many different dimensions and the tolerances can be as tight as you want but if a kite is launched slightly differently in five different times then you're going to prefer one kite to the other yeah so that's actually more the scary bit is I could be on the same brand and have five quivers and be choosing my favorite yeah. quiver out of five, six quivers. And you're looking at whatever, 60, 70 grand. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, uh, Jay and PZ, uh, in Long Beach are sailmakers and they have a big, like a kite or a sail that they hang across and they have a tolerance, but depending on, um, how hot and humid it is. So they only yeah. cut when there's a certain, when the, the sail cloth is within that really? certain uh window which was pretty cool i had no idea that they did that but um i mean yeah i mean you, yeah you yeah. pull a brand two brand new kites out and there's inch, inches of difference so and, and that's that's i think that's a scary thing is for i mean we our factories are just incredible what they're doing you know they the whole warehouse is kept us exact temperature exact humidity and everything else but you're still going to get differences um yeah. and the foils i mean are terrifying i mean i, I remember talking to mike about foils and depending on what time of day or time of year or if it was raining outside, he could go through the exact same process. And if it saw a little bit of moisture before it hit the oven, it would be a completely yeah. different twist characteristics to if it didn't. Um, and, you know, those, that kind of stuff you just can't control, no matter how hard you, you want to try. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's definitely scary for the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but yeah, another question I had was kind of like you helped design a lot of the F1s, the kites, right? Um, yeah. I know, like, what do you think that, like, do you think that process is just to help F1 or you, did you learn a ton from um, like on how to uh, tune your I kite? Mean, yeah, I mean, I'm like the, the process for, for developing that kite, I would, I would, is probably one of the greatest things that's happened in my career um, so far because it just has taught me so much from, I, like when I started with F1, they would, Robert, the designer, would just about trust me to tune the speed system, never mind touch anything else. And then yeah. kind of we've moved, we've moved on now to you know him trusting me to make the big calls on how we develop the kites and in terms of shape, profile, and and everything else. But yeah, I, it's it's brilliant. I mean, in terms of how much it's given me and I've given F1, obviously it, we we did we developed a kite from it, and the kite's super competitive, which was something that we were terrified of it was super scary kind of turning up to the first event and everyone kind of just rolled their kites out for the first time and like right there we go this is what we've got <laughs> let's, yeah. let's see how it works um and luckily you know we, we did a good enough job to make sure that we've got a kite that's competitive but yeah I mean what, what it's taught me is is huge even just the process of developing a product um and you can kind of go really specific and go oh well you know I learned how to develop a kite but actually we learn how to develop a product and develop what the market wanted and what was interesting with what we were doing is we always kind of went back to well, what what does the racing look like and we were developing a kite when we first started for 20 minute or 15 minute races which were started on upwind and halfway through we were suddenly developing kites that were for minute and a half two minute races mixed relay that needed to work for guys and girls and then at the end we were developing something completely different and so it was it was quite a difficult process developing a kite, and I think what we're finding out now is the guys that we none of us could have predicted that the Olympics was going to go individual, and none of us could have predicted like what format we were going to go into, and so there was a little bit of luck now of what the what all the brands uh, have produced of what's working correctly because none of us could as I said none of us could predict that we were going to be doing this racing. Um, but it was cool. And I think like the relationship I have with Robert um, is, is amazing. And we've, we're working on new halos and already started the, the or already started the process of thinking about the Diablo V6 for 2028. And so it never really stops. Uh, and what's exciting for us is the bridles, you can release new bridle updates. Mm -hmm. And so actually, even though the V5 is released, we're still effectively working on developing the V5 even though in the back of our minds we're now thinking well we've we've now got to create a v6 for for the next olympic cycle um so it's cool i mean it keeps you on your toes it keeps me it keeps me interested in something else but um yeah i think it, it's it's really cool and getting involved in the halo development is brilliant as well that's kind of having to think about what not necessarily i would want from a kite and thinking about what someone you know a, a punter would would want from a kite and so yeah i'm kind of tuning tuning a kite and going oh yeah this is fantastic it's brilliant and then i'll give it to someone on the beach to test and they'll be like what the hell have you created <laughs> i couldn't even get foiling and that happened actually a few weeks ago that i tuned the kite in a specific way and gave it to to one of the uh the dads from on the beach and you couldn't get foiling I'm like oh whoops maybe i've uh, created something a little bit wrong here um but it, it's cool it's, and again it, it just gives me more knowledge and kind of more enthusiasm going forward so yeah it's, it's really cool yeah that must be uh pretty pretty wild to like sit in the shop and like or the like design something and then actually kind of feel the differences on the water but I think um like throwing it back to uh kind of when we when we were kiting with you guys and like when Evan and Dana and I were just like 
following you around, like watching all your tuning and copying everything you're doing, you know, down in Baja and, and Santa Barbara and stuff. <laughs> but like, you've kind of always been like, by far, like the the most, like back in that time, like the most into the tuning and the gear than like kind of anybody we knew. But like, how does that kind of relate to your training? Like, what did your training look like? What's the kind of difference, like the percentage of like actual kite training and like, or just like tuning, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really difficult because sometimes it's a help and sometimes it's a hindrance. I know a lot of people who are, who are really not very technical and, and are super fast because they don't let themselves get bogged down with, with any technical stuff. Um, right. I think for me, it's like actually so much of my time now is spent thinking about the gear. Um, like I'll all, I'm super critical of myself and I'll always blame myself first. And then my coach will have to go, yeah, but you know, what, what kite were you using today? And I was like, oh yeah, my one from two years ago, which has a prototype bridle set that's about to snap. It's like, oh, right, well, maybe you should yeah. think about that first. But uh, yeah, I think, I think what's what, like the sport is so technical now and I'm super happy that I'm quite technically minded and you know, think always thinking about how to get the best out of it. Um, and I think the other thing is working out what works best for me. Um, and now we've kind of developed a kite that works really well as a kite. Now we're looking at, well, how do I, perfect the bridles how do I perfect the tuning of the you know even even the foil stuff to to my exact specification um because when you're developing a kite you're always thinking about the consumer and now I'm thinking about well actually I can be really really selfish now and think about what it works for me um but I think like I'll, I'll have months where I won't be kiting as much and I'll be you know working on the technical stuff and then I'll have months where I'm just kiting every day that the past month I've just kited pretty much every single day and not really got bogged down with the technical stuff and just started tuning everything ready for the world. But it is really difficult because sometimes I will just go down a rabbit hole and we'll have a set of kites, which just don't work. Or I'm just hitting my head against a brick wall going, why am I not faster? Why am I not faster? And actually sometimes going back to some old gear and just going, going racing, just trying to go fast brings everything back into perspective um it, it's it's, it's yeah. a co really complicated relationship when it comes to actually figuring out what you know, why why am I going fast or why am I going slow um, yeah it seems like you kind of have to like be diverse a little bit and like kind of check in with yourself be like oh is this still like the right thing to be fully <laughs> focused on but I mean it seems like uh knowing like your tuning and and being like super involved with your gear just seems like you're working a little bit smarter versus like working harder you know like why fight that yeah, with, with just yeah your own your own technique yeah, or something so. and i mean it's interesting what you can gain you know if, if you train every single day you might be able to gain a knot of speed you know in a wonderful world of magicalness and oh, you know from the, yeah good. whole knot <laughs> james like oh yeah that's like 10 percent yeah <laughs> sure. I'll, I'll take that in <laughs> um and actually you know you can you can gain almost that by by playing with your bridles or you know getting the foil finished absolutely perfect and I think that's quite scary as well as someone who who loves to train and loves to you know be training every day on the water that sometimes your biggest gains aren't going to happen on the water which is yeah and you don't know what anyone else is doing you know someone else could be spending 10 hours a day on CFD and CAD and whatever else making you know designing something that's better than you are and so it's no longer what you can see someone doing on the water but what they're doing on their laptop as well which yeah. I mean, I'm sure this is a long process for you because you, you started campaigning in the windsurf in, when was that? 
And then you switched over oh. to kites in 2012, 2015? Yeah, I'm ancient these days, aren't I? As everyone <laughs> likes to keep reminding me, honestly. <laughs> 28. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all right. It's all right. This week has just been people telling me I'm old. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, oh God, I started campaigning when I was 13, 14 in windsurfing. Um, and then I retired windsurfing when I was 21, so 2014, something like that. And then coached for four years um three years three years and then moved over to kiting um but uh, yeah it's it's been quite a crazy journey <laughs> in terms of yeah of coming from windsurfing um but yeah i mean I, I wouldn't i wouldn't do any of it differently i don't think right yeah i mean so <laughs> if you're going to devote yourself to campaigning it seems like you've done it pretty pretty right so far which is cool um yeah but i think like, uh, the funny thing I remember is when I when we first met you in uh, do you remember this in uh, La Ventana when uh, yeah. your foil was at the bottom of the bay? <laughs> I remember. I remember. Uh, what happened yeah. there? <laughs> oh well, you know it was um, you know, like in in life there's some critical moments where you learn a lot in a really expensive manner. And so I had no idea that there were two forms of uh, bolts. You know, I, it turns out that you American people use a different type of, of thread to us. And yep. so, um, yeah, if you just, you know, for, for everyone, yeah, if you put metric into imperial threads, it will shred the, uh, the nut and uh, you'll lose your force. So, yeah, no, we went out. I mean, it was a very hungover session from memory because um, I think it was New, New Year's Day and um, went out, got, a kilometer offshore and then just oh, bang straight down when I was like oh no I've hit, hit a poor turtle what have I done like <laughs> terrible person and then kind of tried to get back up on the on the board and just slid sideways and drifted I was like oh no I haven't hit a turtle <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've hit my own stupidity um <laughs> but you did get yeah, the was, foil back yeah I mean it was crazy it was it was really weird so I, I, I had a gps on me at the time thankfully and I pinged it um and then I spent the next 48 hours going around every single diving center in Laventana going please like uh, like you know it was back in the day where Mike's lab took six to six months to a year to get hold of yeah. and uh, so I was like please it does like money is not an object here like, I just <laughs> need this foil back and actually it was uh, Delaney who runs Delaney's at uh, the bottom we went oh yeah yeah no worries I'll, I'll give it a go and I was thinking oh cool I'll have a dive boat and you know full tanks and everything and we jumped on this tiny little three meter rib in the morning three days after it had been yeah it was still it'd been on the bottom of the ocean now for three days um went out on google maps to find the exact location threw the anchor down and he's literally just free diving yeah oh uh, free dive oh, oh, free dived all the way down it was something it was stupidly deep like 10 i think it was about 10 10 12 meters deep or something and uh free dived down the anchor and the uh the anchor was a meter off the foil um, oh my God. Had, had, had been there for three days and just hadn't hadn't moved from the exact spot it had gone down and it was uh 20 meters off the from the ledge and so it just landed oh my God. In, the, in this perfect place and brought it back and it had a bit of seaweed on it a bit of algae some things living on it but it's still, it's yeah. i'm sure if you condition. if you drop a foil too it's gonna it's not gonna just go straight down it's gonna well yeah but yeah, i'm yeah. sure like it went over the ledge it went back <laughs> and then <laughs> Yeah, no, it turns out Mike made a fantastic anchor as well as a foil. So yeah, exactly. we were... yeah, they, look, they look about the same. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, to the naked eye. So yeah, that was a learning lesson for me for sure. But yeah, won't, won't be won't be doing that same again. It's funny, I was actually really oddly today I was uh, 
at the beach and someone was like, uh, oh, why, um, why do you use five bolts in the top of your foil? <laughs> If only you knew the suffering when it comes to foils. Um, so yeah, even even to this day, I don't forget about it. I've got five bolts through into the uh, the head of the foil. Won't ever change that. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. I had I had the similar but a lot less uh, gnarly with the when I switched over to the F1 boards. I put the the old screws from my my old board in, and within like two days, my foot straps are pulling out. I'm like, what is going on? Like this board sucks. It was just me putting in the wrong, the wrong <laughs> bolts, and then they keep pulling out. I was like, hmm, okay, um, but yeah. Maybe this there's is a lot of problem. yeah. You get the UK boards, and then you put an American brain on it. it doesn't work too well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's even tiny, harder yeah. now as well. Yeah. Oh, um, I bet. Now we've got. I've got like I've got the thing is everyone decides that they want to use different like bolt heads as well. So I've got mm -hmm. basically just a toolbox full of different screwdrivers for one foil, but like. <laughs> big torque heads small torque heads and then we go to like you know metric imperial anyway <laughs> nightmare <laughs> yeah nothing compared uh, to actually using a proper boat like that was actually you know. yeah that was that was my next question is if why did you never get into boating <laughs> why did i never get into boating i mean yeah i mean uh, i mean you've, funny, you've sailed before just never I mean, I, I can technically sail. Right. Would you want to be on a boat with me helming? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> um, would you trust right. me to crew? Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, why didn't I get into sailing? I think for me, like actually the windsurfing started with windsurf freestyle. Um, and so I had absolutely no interest in anything that you couldn't jump forward loop or, you know, do freestyle with. And, you know, sailing was completely the opposite to that. And actually I got into racing secondary mm. um so yeah i think actually for me you know sailors generally start racing don't they and that's what they want to do they want to race each other because you know, learning to sail is is quite quick um whereas for me i didn't have any real interest in racing um to this day i still don't really know how i ended up racing i've swore that i was never <laughs> gonna get into it and i was gonna be a wave sailor in hukiki or in hukiki or something but yeah it turns out yeah. there's not much money in that <laughs> not much yeah, money in this like either but <laughs> yeah i feel like when i was learning how to kite i was like i was like there's uh you either go like one route racing or you go like the the fun route so you have to like pick and choose but i guess i guess you've been doing a bunch of i saw the other day on your instagram you've been doing a bunch of some uh what do you call it strapless fun wing strapless or flailing kind of stuff yeah that looks yeah oh, strapless yeah. yeah strapless sporting. i really like that because actually it, there's absolutely no pressure to be good at it because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's brilliant i do a race session and you just throw a different kite up throw on the water and i can just be rubbish and it's fine like you just fall off and fall over here and hit yourself here and it's just super chill and i've got the, a really slow 1000 foil that yeah i go just cruising on and it, it's just yeah, i think it's it's weird everyone's like oh you how is your time off kiting but it genuinely is like my ability to switch off and just enjoy myself for a little bit. Um, and yeah, then well, the same with the strapless surfboard too, right? When you're well, strapless surfboard is more is more irritating because it turns out that that is actually really really difficult to get good at. Once you've yeah. done one front roll, to do a second front roll is <laughs> nigh impossible. Yeah. Um, and then to do anything else is just quite painful. But I have I've started trying um, like kite loop board offs and stuff. And they are really, really painful unless you, you know, get the board under your feet on the right. landing, which is pretty rare. 
in, in my case. <laughs> if anyone, uh, if anyone's listening to our podcast, they should go check out the, uh, that video we have on our YouTube of uh, Connor learning how to in, in Mexico. It's, it's quite entertaining. <laughs> I can't do it now. Just to stop it. Swamp. Yeah, right. Yeah. Do, do, we do need some single. video proof. No. We'll, we'll have to reshoot that video at some point. Yeah. Well, le- learning the double, I promise you, that's good. That's a more painful process that can't be completed in three days. Yeah. And because you have to probably go bigger. Oh, yeah. You've got to be more overpowered. You've got to go bigger. You've got to be better yeah. and yeah, I don't have Hayden shouting at me of that I'm rubbish every <laughs> 30 seconds, which makes it way more complicated. Yeah. Um, but then uh, you are a little bit scared of the waves for the freestyle and the surfboards or surf guiding. You're right. You know what? I actually. <laughs> well, I just remember you were landing. Up. What was that? Bringing all my fears up in this. Uh, in this <laughs> Well, you were, I remember no, in uh, La Ventana where you were landing the front rolls and I was getting super frustrated with that. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go wave kiting. And you're like, I'm never going to do that ever. And I was like, hmm, okay. I guess I'm a little bit better at Connor than one thing on a kite. But yeah, I've, uh, I've, I've started trying to get into actually this, this year I got, um, I picked up a couple of weeks ago, actually, I picked up the new F1 Shadow. Oh, cool. Um, Cause I've started to enjoy a little bit more the waves um problem is i'm really bad at it like it turns out that surfing is not not my speciality like mm. really not do you have like waves at. in the uk i mean i know um, there are like it just looks fine so gnarly yeah <laughs> like some, we don't really have a wind shop you know. <laughs> yeah exactly we have we have wind shop or we have like just powerful storm things storms that try and kill yeah. you yeah not quite your beautiful down the line cali waves yeah sad. <laughs> well practice makes perfect on that i guess yeah i'll send you some videos of me just going yeah. the beach <laughs> yeah um, i mean i've already broken one kite this year from venturing out into into waves so oof. yeah See, the waves uh, waves are not nice to kites no um are you planning on going to la ventana at all this winter oh yeah so, uh, yeah <laughs> obviously you had a year I, off I right Oh, I spent all winter in in the UK. Yeah. Um. So from yeah, like October through till April, no June, I spent in the UK. Um. And so this year, I intend to spend as little time as possible in the UK. Um. So yeah, <laughs> my plan my plan is to do January, February, and Laventano. I think, um, to try and get a few a few of the top guys down and and see what we can make happen there. And um, I need to learn how to wing as well. Yeah, I think I'm. Uh gonna go down there just to wing so i think you cut out for a second but i'm back you're back (laughs) yeah but um yeah yeah, i think uh i'll try to make it down there at least for a little bit yeah i haven't it hasn't it hasn't caught me at the winging like everyone tells me how amazing it is i've just just got gear that's arrived into the uk now oh there we go um so i'm excited to try it you'll be hooked (laughs) (laughs) i think so i don't know we'll see (laughs) I just got my first uh, my first surf set up, so I gotta throw some straps on and get out on the wing. But it's been a few times. I, yeah. I think it's pretty fun, but I want to get into some <laughs> waves. Yeah, but we'll see. Yeah, Are you uh my, you gonna yeah. you meeting up with Evan over there? Yeah, you know what? Really weirdly, I uh, I turned up in Toro Grande yesterday to drop the boat off before I came down to Cagliari and dropping one of the um, other British girls up and 
walked into the apartment and Evan and Bailey are there. I was like, hi, hi guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's been super hard for you guys to travel, isn't it? So um, yeah. actually, yeah, I haven't, from spending the whole, well, like half of my summers in, in Cali to, to not spending any time there at all. I mean, you know, it's, yeah. it's actually been quite hard. It's been two, two years now since I've been in Yeah, in hard to get so, in. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Hopefully Unless it's you want to passport. <laughs> yeah. That makes it easier. There we go. Yeah, we well, were I just think we're with Evan like a few uh two weekend two uh, we, last weekend or something. And he uh he used Riley's uh, foil without a leash and we were at Steel Beach and uh <laughs> you know, oh. little, little dung up uh wing on the rocks. <laughs> so you gotta give Evan a hard time about that one. Yeah. <laughs> and and there's surfline video proof that it happened. So yeah. Yeah, so you can't you can't, can't even uh, blame anyone else. It's yeah. all, all him on this one. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, we'll follow you guys while you're over there, but uh, have a few people over there, so we'll we'll follow along for sure. Yeah, but our Zoom time is up, so <laughs> <laughs> that's but, it. End of the podcast. Zoom is done. Yep. Finished. We just we just don't want to spend any money on this this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, thank you, Connor. Awesome. That was Cheers, that was guys. awesome. Yeah, it's good yep. to chat. Been a while. Yeah, yeah love to talk to you guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.